1: Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly, a prime cut of Premier League fixtures to chew through. The Villa is now officially a fortress. 14 home wins on the spin and Manchester City tempting us into saying there is a title race. Elsewhere, the voice note machine is being cranked up after Fulham caused a forest fire at the cottage. Even the best guy on the planet can't help Sheffield United to a win. We'll rehash some of the age-old favourites. Is Scott McTominay good? What's going on with Arsenal's goalkeepers? And do Chelsea need to sign some more players? Meanwhile, in the Nations League, there's no eye team and no team GB at the Olympic Games, despite England hammering Scotland at Hampden Park. All of that, plus your questions, and that's today's Cardian Football Weekly. Our panel today, Will Unwin, good morning.
0: Good morning, Robin.
1: And good morning to Noradine Chowdhury. Hello. And Johnny Liu in a hotel room with no chair.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm up in, in Manchester and as much as I would love to have a chair, I don't. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that seems like quite a big mission from a hotel room but uh,
2: no, that's not the only thing that's missing also the shower the shower <laughs> dripped all night and kept me up
3: that sounds like a classic my cousin Vinny sort of situation <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well jo- Joel's just said is this is the most northern Pod Football Weekly ever, and that's kind of, (laughs) we're really starting well, aren't we? Um, Before we begin, uh, a huge thank you to all of our listeners who voted for the pod at the Football Supporters Association Awards, Uh, won Best Podcast once again, uh, and I can only assume that Max and Barry are still on the open bus tour, Uh, that's why they're unavailable for this pod. So lots to get through, let's start at Old Trafford, so-called Crisis Club, Manchester United 2, Chelsea 1, and Johnny, you're up north, you're at Old Trafford, how was it?
2: Very good game. I mean, I think United were superb. Uh, they obviously missed a penalty early on, um, and then you know they, they they just started with this kind of re- in this relentless attacking mode. The crowd got into it, and and they they didn't really kind of let up. And and the only times when um, you know when they did let up was when Chelsea just kind of inexplicably just managed to run through them and have a four on two counter attack, which they would then inevitably mess up. Um, and I think that's the that's the kind of the bargain, the Faustian deal that you're getting with with Manchester United, and especially with um, Scott McTominay, who's proving so effective as that sort of extra man in the box, and and you know popped up with um, a goal in each half, could even have had a hat trick. Actually, uh, he was joking afterwards about how he kind of blew his hat trick, and he's he's playing so well in that role because Ten Hag has basically got him to be that that agent of chaos in the final third. You know, be the extra man, be the overload. Uh, make those runs, and you know the, the the upshot is that it's it's kind of leaving them short in midfield, and that's why why Chelsea kept countering them. And and uh, Nicholas Jackson had a bit of a mare. I thought Cole Palmer was actually very poor until uh, his very good goal, his equaliser. Um, so yeah, I, I, it was one of those games where I thought four one wouldn't have been a weird result, and also one one. Um, that's just kind of where these two teams are at at the moment. Just two very weird teams, but but United, you know, I, th- I think like they're quietly building something. I don't, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, I feel like there's something coming together
1: with an extra dripping shower, perhaps. Um, but yes, uh, Shane <laughs> yeah, yeah. says, at what point is is Scott McTominay genuinely in the Ballon d'Or conversation? Um, it, Noz, this was actually a good Manchester United performance, which must be very disconcerting for you.
3: It is, yeah. I mean, we're not used to. I mean, I, I think this might be the first game of the season where it's been like a complete. Uh, performance finish to end which was half decent um it was it was a really good game but part of that is obviously because both teams are are sort of uh to to a certain extent inept So, so so it's kind of like you don't know if it's a good game because teams are playing well or both teams are equally sort of uh frail but uh yeah it was end to end uh and and United played well in general. McTominay um, uh, is is on fire. Uh, he's he's actually always been like a good finisher. Um, I don't think that's that's the issue with him. It's it's more a case of whether he can do a job in mid- midfield. But maybe t- maybe Ten Hag has find has found a solution to, to to how to use him and the current problems in in terms of like he seems to be the only player who, when the ball comes to him, you kind of have a half uh, United have half, have half a chance of scoring. So. He he did he did well in that respect. Um, I thought I thought it was Amrabat's best game for United. Um, he's had a few good games at fullback, but um, um, when when United signed him, uh, the hope was that he'd be a bit of a bully in the middle, which which he was, and he did that really well in this game. But um, but yeah, there, there was still the amount of times United were wide open, and and it was just Chelsea being poor. Um, that that they didn't take advantage of that. But uh, no, really enjoyed it. Like, like may it continue? Like, if, 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 if the Faustian pact is that there's this sort of game where at least it's not turgid and either team could win, like, bring it on.
1: And Will, they are United now three points off the top four, three points off Manchester City. How has this happened? Where's the narrative?
0: Just willing to pass on the crisis baton over Manchester. United, for you know, For so long in the Premier League, you know, when they'd won five out of six, they were grinding out results. I was at Luton at home and they were poor, they were slow, but they got a result and getting results is all that matters in football and getting results builds confidence. And at some point I felt it was going to click and maybe last night was it. It it. I was at Galatasaray away and going forward, they were really good, but the midfield was mildly farcical, which didn't help. And obviously the goalkeeper... But they've got those elements and I think Rashford being out of the team has helped. I think he's lacked energy and efficiency and well, overall competence on the left. And Gonacho brought all of that yesterday. And they do have a decent squad. And if they get together and work how they're supposed to and have the, the natural X factor that is Scott McTominay, you're always in with a chance of, of beating teams because... Yeah, you know, he is. You know, he is the agent of chaos, as Johnny says, bringing in that extra element in the box, running from deep, being a surprise, and so they do have all the tools that they need. They probably just needed that extra bit of confidence, and I think a bit of faith in their own ability because they've really struggled with that, especially in Europe, when you've seen them. And defensively, they're looking a little bit more competent. There was, say, Amrabat played well; it was his best game because his other games were pretty terrible. To be fair. But having a midfield would be a useful skill for United from, you know, the start of the season when Wolves just walks through them. <laughs> you know, it's not really being addressed too well. Um, but yeah, it's getting there with Amrabat Mainu looking decent when he's played, but obviously you can't rely on an eighteen year old defensive midfielder to solve all your problems. And you know, the problem with United now is that they've had a few false starts that they, they need to kick on and you know, carry on this this form from Wednesday
1: night. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think perhaps the results and the the sort of chaotic performances in the Champions League have sort of clouded where they are in the Premier League. Because yeah, they're they're a lot a lot better off there. Um, you alluded to it, Johnny. I mean, Chelsea. What on earth do you, do you make of them? as a team they've now lost 17 of 38 league fixtures in, in 2023 do they need to keep trusting the process with with Pochettino now
2: i think so i mean Pochettino said after newcastle the newcastle game with the loss 4-1 that it was the only, it was the only game he thought they deserved to lose uh, and i think this was this, this was another one i mean they 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 they, they look like a team that are just you know they're two or three steps away from clicking and and when it when it all make you know when it all makes sense like and at times this season it has made sense you know the the city game which they the four all which certainly in an attacking sense um they they managed to get those you know they managed to play through the press and co- you know, kind of coordinate um you know their counter attacks in a way that that actually they didn't they really didn't hear. they would often you know they would break three or four on two and. You know, you'd have Jackson and Mudrick and Sterling all, Sterling all running around, and they didn't—they weren't kind of coordinating with each other. You didn't get the sense that they were anticipating each other's movements. You, you got the sense that they were—they were kind of reacting to each other, which is still the hallmark of a team, I think, that is—is is getting to know each, to get to know each other's movement. And and at the back, I think they're all off. You know, they're all working at slightly different paces. Um, Kukureya started at right back, which I thought was a strange one. He he came off for Reese James, who I I didn't think was much better. I Enzo and, and Caicedo had a really Enzo had a really poor game in midfield. And, you know, this has been this has been Chelsea. They haven't managed to put all the constituent parts together. Um I, I really I like them. I think they're a lot of fun. Um and I think are a lot of neutrals enjoy watching Chelsea. But I I think Chelsea fans are getting quite frustrated with how they are, you know, they're being so open and they're kind of they're almost, you know, they're going into, into games. They're going at teams with abandon, um, but not getting the rewards at, at, at the, you know, at the attacking end of the pitch, and not not being able to keep them out at the, at the defensive end of the pitch either.
1: That old proverb comes to mind: if Manchester United win, but there's no one there to report it, did it actually happen? Yes, in a very, uh, definitely not a club in crisis move. Manchester United banned journalists from four media outlets from Tuesday's news conference, uh, pre-match with. Eric Tenghag. Before we go any further, have any of you um, thinking, Will, or uh, i am be very disappointed, Johnny, if you'd never been banned from a press conference, surely, in your time?
2: Um, I, I got banned uh, by Leicester a few years ago for calling Jamie Vardy a racist. Really? It was never formally lifted, but uh, I am kind of welcome back now. It's a, it's a badge of honour, right? I think if you're one of the, the outlets that got banned, you know, you, you feel like you've taken one for journalism while, in fact, just getting a morning off work. <laughs>
1: But no, not not a great look, is it? When clubs start doing that, no,
2: it's not. But then you
3: kind of with with the with United, it's always a case you wonder: is it is it slightly a case of Fergie cosplay, where it's like we all we all know how what Fergie was like when 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 he came up against journalists he didn't like. So yeah, maybe there's a bit of that. But uh, but yeah, like like who do you blame? Do you blame the journalist who's just uh, reporting what the source said, or do you, or do you look at uh, who the source might be and 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 what the problems are in the dressing room? But uh, yeah um it's all, it's all fun and games and and yeah as 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 johnny said it's uh it's it's nice for journalists to feel as if they're sort of fighting the good fight and uh, and and almost too dangerous to to sort of be there
1: mm, mm yeah he uh, said it wasn't for publishing stories we didn't like but for doing so without contacting us first to give us the opportunity to comment challenge or contextualize uh, i'm not sure you can give some insight into this will obviously i mean That seems like a kind of fairly reasonable thing to ask. How does the how do these things work generally?
0: Yeah, if you have a story, the general rule is that you go to the club and you explain what it is and that you're gonna publish it and you give them a reasonable amount of time to come back at you. There's no need for an official statement with a story like this, so I can see why it wasn't done. Generally banning journalists is just a dreadful idea, it just highlights the story even more it's a massive overreaction and you have to accept what is a free and fair press you know the journalists that are involved are very good at their jobs, so it's likely to be a very good story and United flying off the handle I don't think helps them at all, and obviously historically they've been very good at it um, even if it in the good old days it wasn't the director of communications that did it but yeah, so hopefully the journalists will Take their one match ban, and no more will happen. You know, the best way to uh, silence journalists. A uh, critical of your club is to win football matches. So I'd advise Manchester United to do more of that.
2: Robin, have you ever been banned? Has, has no club as a club ever kind of taken issue at, at your commentary or, or you know how you've how you've presented them?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely certain of that, but uh, news hasn't reached me. Um, so yeah, absolutely certain. No, I, I know um, past experience that they they do sometimes bring it up. Oh, I didn't like the way you said that. Um, I think yeah, a certain current Palace manager in particular <laughs> seems to watch Match of the Day quite quite diligently. <laughs> but more on that later. Uh, to Villa Park, Aston Villa one, Manchester City nil. We will of course talk about the the new crisis club in Manchester. But let's start with. Aston Villa, uh, Stewart says our Villa in the title picture. Um, exceptional performance from them. Uh, they're now just four points off Arsenal, who are top. Noz, is it time that we took them seriously as not just Champions League contenders, title contenders? Aston Villa.
3: I mean, why not? Uh, I I remember when I first got into football, like like Villa, Villa were right up there when uh, teams were allowed back into Europe. Um, Villa were with the team in the European Cup, so yeah, bring it all back, bring the micro back, and all that business. So uh, no, I'm I'm I, I'm I'm right up for it. I mean, to, to to be to be fair, like even top four would be amazing. Um, and uh, I think I think Villa have kind of replaced Brighton in that. Um, do you know you've always got that club in the Premier League that are like the barometer of like if you do things well and you, and if you organise as a club and you do, if you do everything the right way it's almost a, um, you almost um, compare bigger, uh, bigger clubs with more money to them and kind of say, well, well, why can't, why can't Manchester United do it? Or why can't um, whoever Newcastle or or, or or Liverpool do it if Villa are doing it? Um, I think, I think Villa have actually replaced Brighton as, as, as a, as a club who are doing everything right or, or they seem to be at the moment. And, 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 Quite apart from the results and the amazing home form, like they they're just—they just fun to watch. Um, they, they're they're at risk of becoming that dreaded everyone's second favourite team. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really good, and um by all accounts, they were the the the, the result flattered Sitter.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, uh, perhaps the biggest thing they've done uh, well is dispensing of Stephen Jarrod and getting Unai Emery. This is his first. Win over Pep Guardiola in quite a few attempts. Uh, Aston Villa had 22 shots to Manchester City's two. Two attempts. Well, the whole game. I think we've attempted more during the first half of this pod.
0: Yeah, and you know, we've had more on target in terms of our, our views and City. Mm. Um, yeah, and those two shots came in the matter of about 10 seconds as well in the the one good attack that that you produced. I mean, it was it was mildly laughable the difference in quality between the two teams. And I don't watch Aston Villa every week, but you listen to what Andy Townsend, who I'm sure does watch far more than I do. Leon Bailey was incredible, but that was his best game. So if you can get, get him to do that every week, then yeah, you've got to say they've got the level of players that can reach the top four. They've got Ollie Watkins, who is a striker that scores goals, which is a very sensible policy to have as a football club. Across the back four, didn't really give Erling Haaland a sniff. I know he didn't get much service, but... You know, incredible performance there. Lucas Dinu getting down the left was very good. John McGinn in midfield, Douglas Weiss, they're all really, you know, having a really good season. The, the age old question will be for Villa is whether they can maintain it with Thursday nights and weekend football. And so you might have to, you know, review the matter in March to see where they all are. But, you know, it's a sensible club that have created a diligent recruitment plan, brought in players for the right roles, done their research to make sure they fit in. And, you know, they all knit into a system that Unai Emery wants to play. You know, maybe if Stephen Jared was there, they'd be top of the league by now, but who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's just an incredible job that he's done. And if, you know, if you watched that game last night and were told that that team won the trouble, one team won the trouble last season, and uh, one team, you know, was looking at relegation in about October, you'd, uh, you'd be surprised to find out the answer of which was which. But yeah, it's incredible from Villa and City. Uh, yeah, really. Really struggling at the moment, as Guardiola said. I think, you know, it's his exact words are struggling. And it's, you know, it's a few chickens coming home to roost that Guardiola likes to have a small squad. So when you have a few injuries and a couple of suspensions, it really does, you know, show up, especially when one of those suspended is Rodri. Um, last season, he got five bookings. His fifth booking came in late April. He's already got five this season and a sending off. And, you know, what are the reasons behind that? I think. He's played a lot of games, so he's a lot, a lot more tired. So that's an issue for him. And I might explain why he's getting bookings. But also the loss of Ilkay Gundogan in that midfield, I think, is very, very stark. And not finding. Going to, it's obviously impossible to find an exact replacement. But, you know, Kovacic isn't that guy. Nunes has struggled with a step up from Wolves to City. And it'll take time, like, you know, most Guardiola signers. It does quite often take a season. Um for players to really settle, and you know, Nuno is probably suffering from the fact that Jeremy Doku looks like the the greatest winger to uh, ever grace this earth. But yeah, it's you know City say there are reasons why this is happening. You can see that, and it's a case of getting players back and getting that form back because City were excellent in the sort of run up to those free draws, and now the loss, you know, beating United easily, beating Bournemouth six one. So. Yeah, it's up to Guardiola to you know get it, get him refreshed and ready to go for and away before you know the Club World Cup comes around, which is a an interesting one to sort of break up the season. So, yeah, fun few weeks ahead for City.
1: Yeah, four games without a win. I mean, by their standards, that is a pretty incredible slump. And I am sure you are in lots of City WhatsApp groups, will because because you are a fan, of course. And I mean, is there anyone tempted to ring up Five Live and call Pepper Fraud and say that he needs to go?
0: Uh, he. You think I'm more popular than I am. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think if, if anyone phoned up and asked for Pep to go, it'd be impressive. Yeah, look, the performances are bad tonight. Oh, was it, a, happens. Last, it happens. Last night, last night was a really bad performance. And as I say, there are reasons behind it. It's, I mean, it's not like the players, they're all available and they're all playing poorly. Yeah, everyone played poorly last night. I don't think anyone comes out with any much credit. Edison made a couple of saves. I mean Fodem's awful, Bernardo's... I don't know there's no point running through it, but they're all ter- terrible. No, I did see someone tweet that it was a worse than any performance they saw under Pellegrini, which I thought was quite funny. Um yeah, you know, City'll come back, they'll win more games or finish first or second, you know. That's football for you. Let's all relax. Let's have a nice time. Christmas is coming up. Don't stress yourself over lo- losing against a really good stability. You know, but, you know obviously, if you lose away to Villa, that ruins your Christmas and you might as well it up. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's football. Football is the king of short-termism. Um, I'd probably not worry too much.
1: Well, speaking of not uh, stressing yourself out, um, in other news, Manchester City have been charged by the Football Association following the furious... Confrontation with the referee Simon Hooper. Uh, they were charged on Monday by the FA, um, but Haaland has escaped censure under the FA's regulations around media use, uh, which allow players to use social media after a game to criticise match officials' performance or competence. Uh, only when a criticism implies bias or attacks the officials' integrity uh, can charges be considered. So, WTF uh, was a judge to fall outside? Those criteria. So we see a flurry of those coming, I think. Uh, that'll do for part one. In part two, we'll continue to wade through the other Premier League midweek fixtures. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. A Luton 3, Arsenal 4. A cruel end to the game once again for Luton. A last-minute winner from Declan Rice in the 97th minute. This was lots of fun, though, wasn't it, Naz? Oh, it was it was amazing,
3: and uh, yeah, it's it, it's one of those games where it's great to have Twitter open at the same time because you kind of like, like just just when people like everyone like all the rival fans of, of of Arsenal are really enjoying a goal, like suddenly they score and it's they all shut up. But it was it, it was an amazing game. One one thing that I was a slight surprise to me, and maybe it shouldn't have been, is is there was a lot of thirst for for Rob Edwards. On, on on social media like he's I didn't realize how much of a heartthrob he is
1: oh yeah no he's if you he's like he looks like those if you buy a photo he's the stock image in like the photo frame yeah. isn't he
3: I, I I I get that but but by the same token to me his good looks are almost baddie good looks like like the like the bully in in the high school film so um oh, yeah no he's yeah yeah, I do. I, I do. It's it's almost like he's too good looking. He's got the square jaw, like the perfect hair. So so no, that that was a that was a slight surprise to me. But um, but yeah, no, it was it, it was an it was an amazing game. And uh, yeah, I I continue to be impressed by Declan Rice. Like it, it's not as it's not as if he had his best game, but he's one of these players now. I think that um, always whenever you need him, he turns up with something. Whether whether that's sort of like a run. Breaking through the lines or, or an important goal, like uh, he was he was one of those players where he when he was at West Ham, and again this this says more about me than it does him. Where I didn't quite get the hype. I was like, what what is a Declan Rice? Like, what what is so special about him? Why does everyone want him? And now, uh, it's it's obvious even to me that that he's 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 one of those talisman players. Um, and he's almost he's almost developed this um as 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 well as everything else. Uh, this almost uh Steven Gerrard. Sort of quality of uh, coming up with big moments.
1: I think you're almost not allowed to be impressed by someone who cost over a hundred million pounds, which is ridiculous. But it's like they have to do something really, really special, like start levitating or something. I think he's
3: also disar- hes also disarming. He doesn't—he doesn't come across as like uh, a superstar. And 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 you've seen him when he does his like uh, daft things, like being surprised and doing his little uh, skits for for the for the England camp. So so, so like. He's a uh, he's half like potentially world class midfielder and half uh CDBC <laughs> presenter so that's something that I've had to reconcile ah, in my head get
1: him on bedtime story that'll be the next one love that <laughs> um so another late winner this time for for Arsenal um to add to the list 89th minute winner at Brentford equalizer late one at Chelsea 86th uh, minute winner at City um, winners against United in 96th and the 101st minutes as well. Johnny, it's the age old question. Is it the mark of champions that they get the job done or is it slightly concerning that there's quite a lot of jeopardy in these games? It seems with Arsenal.
2: Yeah. This, I mean, this is the eternal debate. I think it's a testament to their fitness. I think it's a testament to their, um, to the mentality because these things become self prophesying after a while. Uh, if 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 you, you, you score a few late goals and you, you begin to expect them and, uh, you know everyone remembers the Bournemouth game for example last season, and you know that that late winner uh and that the you almost kind of portend them opposition fans do and opposition teams begin you know they, they begin to get a little jittery. Um, I mean I think that the the really encouraging thing for Arsenal is is the way that different players have kind of stepped up. So Odegaard, who who I thought was was sensational in the second half, um, you know who I, I thought maybe had gone slightly off the boil last few weeks, uh, you know he's come back uh, with a vengeance. Martinelli, um, you know he, he's back in the goals and and. Whereas like the early part of the season was kind of all about Saka and 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 Ketia. Now, now Jesus has come back he's got a goal and uh, you know there th- there are different different parts of the team are are contributing at, at the times they're needed and I think that's a that's the sign of a of a really well oiled machine we don't you know we talked about Chelsea earlier where the, the the constituent parts don't seem to be working together Arsenal is one of those teams where what, whatever they they need they they almost kind of reverse engineer what they need to do what they do from what they need to do so whoever basically needs to step up steps up uh that, that's you know this unquantifiable thing in, in football you know how do you you know it's i guess in other sports you call it clutch uh and arsenal are doing that i think you know there is there is still a concern that their top level is, is not going to be enough to get to you know 95 points if it, if it's one of those you know really high quality title races but i think they've they've definitely got more than enough to get to 90 that that may just be enough for them this season and i think their their the level of their lowest performances has has really risen this season you you know you're not getting many stinkers out of them uh that consistency i think i think is it's a good thing um especially at this at this stage of the season
1: uh, Jim says, did anyone else enjoy Amazon showing the mistakes that Ryan made for Luton's second and third goals, then cutting back to a smiling Ramsdale on the bench? Uh, top Top contributing to the narrative that, yeah, I think we need a Ramsdale cam now, don't we? I mean, this is becoming quite, it just. it's a story that keeps rumbling on. And Will, I'm not sure, should, should Arteta get some criticism for the way this has been handled? Because it seems now they both look shaky when they play. I don't think
0: he should get criticism. He's made a decision and a strong decision that he wanted another goalkeeper that's slightly different to Ramsdale and who he thinks is an upgrade. I th- the only thing he needs to decide really is say, look, that's my number one. I'm going to go, if you want to go... Well,
1: he's not do- done well, no. that, has he? That's the well,
0: thing that is, yes. is a bit, bit woolly. It, it is a bit woolly, but he really, he's not said it in public, but Raya's clearly the number one. I mean, Ramsdale's played when Raya wasn't available against Brentford and not much else. It's, you know, it is what it is, but you've got to accept that Raya is the number one. And if he's probably just more nervous about the fact that he has got someone that's a number two behind him. And once you start making mistakes, as Andrea and Anna will tell you, you're going to keep making them. And that's just the nature. And if you're going to, he's not chopping and changing them unless completely necessary. So I think we just have to accept Raya's as number one and, move on and try and sell Ramsdale in January to Newcastle or something like that? Because no point having your second-choice goalkeeper giggling on the bench.
1: I'd like to continue to see his reactions, though. Maybe it's just like having a full... Picnic, smorgasbord board on the it's bench next co- time.
0: Couple of yeah. cans
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'll be great. I,
3: I reckon we should have had a, like a, a Max cam today,
0: <laughs> just,
3: just, 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 with, just with you sort of like uh, doing so well in in in, in his absence. I
1: put my he's putting his hands above his head and clapping me. A good good point, yeah. yeah, yeah. But inside, he's dying. <laughs> no. Max will be back on Monday. This is not a coup. Um, Arteta was booked uh, for leaving his technical area. After the last minute winner, uh, so that's his third booking. So he'll be missing from the touchline for their game at Villa. The sound of the celebration police again. Nods. They can't keep a kitten down, can we? It's 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 so funny. Like like I I just don't I don't understand it. Like like I, we
3: celebration police was obviously all about rival fans saying why are you celebrating. It's only whoever and and now like referees have got involved. And and I genuinely like like I'm not joking. Like I don't understand. The celebration thing with Arteta, like, what was the problem? Was, was it the fact that it can't be affecting the game because the game can go on? Like, like Arteta could have been doing like a whole sort of routine, and and the game could still still have been going on like uh, like uh, while he was doing that. So it's not to, it's not to sort of delay the game. Uh, there's something in the rule about chore choreo- something being choreographed, and it wasn't choreographed. It was just uh, it was just being happy. Um, so it, it's it's such a it's such a strange one, but what it, what it has done is it's given us um, Arsenal fans being disgruntled and and looking through the archives and finding uh, celebrations by managers and sort of like there's a deserved one going around of like, well, is this allowed and what is the sort of barometer? But yeah, I I, I don't understand what what got the officials unhappy about it. Is it is it is it the length of the celebration? Is it the amount of joy? Is is there a are they sort of trying to curtail the amount of joy? Because, yeah, I think, uh, and also the thing with Arteta is when he celebrates, he doesn't do that happy celebration. He does that kind of angry celebration of, like, proving people wrong and being re- very masculine about it. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't quite understand why he got done for it, but it's it's uh, as a neutral, it's slightly funnier. It is, actually,
1: because, yeah, it, you're right. Is there a criteria, a set criteria? I think it was technically because he left his technical area, which is something, obviously, that everyone's very, very... Very upset about whenever he does it. It
2: should be adjusted to the size of the technical area. Kenilworth Road is, you know, it's a tiny pitch. It's a very cramped ground. You know, it's it's a, this it's a, it's a very small technical area. Whereas uh, at West Ham, for example, at the London Stadium, if you leave your technical anywhere any reason, if you leave your technical area at West Ham, it's that should be an instant two-match touchline ban. There's no need to leave mm. that. Area. Whereas I think Kenilworth Road is it's slightly more understandable. Uh, have have the you know have the Premier League have they you know adjusted for you know what's the xl you know x t a l <laughs> x expected technical area leaving uh metric you know for each technical area these are the things we need to know because this is mm. this is how humanity grows and prospers
3: maybe, maybe there could be a technical area but then outside of that there could be a celebration area
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, that. like a mosh pit like a mosh pit yeah, exactly yeah. exactly yeah. Love that idea. Uh, Let's move on to (laughs) uh, Craven Cottage. Uh, Fulham five, Nottingham Forest nil. We'll start with the big winners here, Fulham. They were brilliant. Biggest Premier League win since August 2012. Raul Jimenez scoring twice. Uh, He's struggled so far this season for his second. He rounds the keeper and scores a delicious uh, back heel. And Will, we haven't seen that sort of confidence from him consistently actually since before that awful head injury. So that's from the neutral perspective, that was really lovely to see, actually.
0: Yeah, you know, he was in incredible form prior to the head injury, and since mm. then he's really struggled to get back. And obviously, you're never going to know exactly whether it's confidence and you know, fear of you know, going into these games. But once you say we discussed confidence a lot, it really does help you if you if you if you are willing to go around the goalkeeper and back heel it in, then you're probably in a good place in, in your life and football. It's, it's yeah, it's nice to see because he does. You know, it, did, it was a long road back. Anyone that has that sort of lengthy time out is bad, and you've seen players that have suffered similar injuries like Ryan Mason that couldn't come back, and he, which makes it even more understandable that Raúl Jiménez has taken time to adapt and recover and you know, un, you know, get back to playing the way he can do. And he's had to move clubs now, and obviously different environment there, and you know, it's not like it sort of. <laughs> was great from the start at Fulham. It's taken time, but he's getting games, and you know it's a big job as well at Fulham to replace Mitrovic. And it was a very sort of short notice that he was off. So yeah, no, it's fantastic to see and you know Fulham playing some some good football and Marco Silva's doing a great job down there. And it'll be they'll be very safe and comfortable, and they'll have a nice mid-table season. It looks like so, you know they can they can back. Back them all in from zero yards <laughs> because they won't get relegated, it's
1: fine. No, it doesn't seem so. Another really good performance from Andreas Pereira as well. Um, Forrest on the other hand They've lost their last four, conceding twelve goal, goals in the process. Uh, image of the night goes to Don Manning on X, who posted a picture of owner Evangelos Marinakis, his press pass that was jammed in a hedge uh, outside Craven Cottage. Now I might be reading it too much into this, Johnny, but I'm not sure that's a good sign for Steve Cooper's future.
2: Yeah, all, all of the kind of stories in the papers that he's, you know, he's going to be sacked. Maybe, you know, maybe even as soon as this week. Uh, Lop- Lopetegui's been mentioned. Marco, Marco Silver actually uh, is is a is a, a coach that they like. You know, not not that I think Fulham would, would want to let him go. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think it is a good side. And obviously, there's there's a it, it's a strange thing this season because Forest fans, you know, they have been really clear about where uh where their loyalties lie. They've been singing Cooper's name. They they you know they even sang his name after you know a five nil road defeat uh, in in midweek. And I think that that shows you know he's clearly a good coach and he's clearly a decent guy. Um I don't think you know, I don't think he's necessarily blameless for this. You know, everyone talks about the chaos and, you know, the forty players coming in or whatever. Ultimately it's Cooper's job to to get a team, you know, in to get a team out on the pitch that, that basically looks like they they know what they're doing. And and at times Forest have and at times they haven't. And I think it's it's been the goals they're shipping in, in recent games. What Forest have kind of never really Done for me is I, they've never kind of tried to really convince me of how they how they actually want to play. They have switch between formations, they switch between goalkeepers. Obviously, you know that massive personnel coming in and out. But I've never really got a defined kind of identity or playing style. Well, you know, what I, I, do they want to be a sort of a, a pragmatic, close down the space kind of team? Do they want to be an expansive kind of team? I don't think I don't think Cooper's ever kind of managed to to reconcile those two poles and and come up with a kind of a coherent identity. Um, and obviously, you know circumstances make make that a lot harder um but you know I, I, as much as I, I think you know he's a decent guy and uh not not knowing him obviously I don't, I don't know him uh i can't make a judgment on his character but he seems like a decent bloke and a decent coach um this is kind of the the way of things you know you are you are a slave to results and and forest just haven't been good enough recent, recently
1: uh to crystal palace they lost 2-0 uh, to bournemouth i was there and it was grim uh, they were Really, really bad, uh, Crystal Palace. Nothing in attack. Um, Bournemouth were good enough. Didn't really have to be that good, though, to beat Palace. So Bournemouth building, actually, they kept their nerve with Iriola. Possibly could have pulled the trigger on him, but they're now unbeaten in four. Three wins and nine points clear of the relegation zone. Um, there were lo- lots of booing at half-time and full-time. Uh, one point... From games against Everton, Luton, West Ham, and Bournemouth, and it's Liverpool and Manchester City in their next two games. And NOS, I'm not sure what you made of this. I don't know if you saw, but Roy Hodgson after the game saying that fans have been spoilt re- in recent years.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm always fascinated by Roy, Roy Hodgson because on the one hand he seems like such a genial, lovely chap, but like I think there's a slight element of brick top about him. Um, he's, he, he's got like this old school gangster type sort of like speaking very sort of like, uh, uh, softly spoken, but sort of like with a menace. Like it's, it's the way, it's the way he said the fans had been spoiled in recent times. It's the way he sort of, I think, I think more more than one occasion he called Born (laughs) with a little club or something. That was a bit strange. (laughs) And then, and then somebody mentioned that, uh, that a bottle had been thrown in his direction and and he said something like. What you mean to tell me a fella's unhappy with me? Well, I'll definitely, definitely won't sleep well tonight. And I'm like, what? What is all this sass? It's kind, of, it's it's kind of like this. Um, he's he's kind of gone to war, like with the palace fans, and it's a. Uh, I'm not sure it's the best best tactic, but I mean, who knows? Like, like he maybe maybe he, he's maybe maybe he'll turn it around, and 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 the fans will be fine. But there's not a. There's not a great atmosphere around Palace at the moment, and and it's and it's I think it's one of those fan bases that if you get them behind you, they're amazing, but you do not want to get on 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 the wrong side of them, or and you certainly don't want to kind of go to war with them publicly, which uh, which yeah, which Br- Bricktop Hodgson seems to have done at the moment.
1: <laughs> he doesn't like he's he might be packing, doesn't he? Like you just wouldn't be that surprised if he he's kind of unleashed something from his uh from his coat. Yeah, th- this was a man who squared up to a player earlier on this season. It's been quite the quite the time uh, for for Roy Hodgson, um, and actually the talk of the gantry. Because I'm not in the know at all, but uh, just a couple of the guys up there were saying that Doogie Friedman really covered Steve Cooper, and I think they were trying to get him after Patrick Vieira
2: because ah. they thought he was going to be
1: sacked by Nottingham Forest. So, could we see that happening? Perhaps.
2: Yeah, I mean, th- I think that would be a. I think it would be a. You know, a really great move. Obviously, um, Hodgson always, you know, has never felt like more than a stopgap, and uh, you know, he's done he's done a decent job, I think. Uh, and but there is so, there is so much more. I think you know, there is so much more that that Palace can be as a, as a kind of a story. You know, this is a, a a really kind of authentic South London club that that draws a lot of its um, you know. A lot of its players and a lot of its pride and a lot of its identity from the local community. You've got this, you know, like this this guy from Croydon managing his almost his hometown club. You know, there, there should be a kind of an excitement about this. And but the, the, the problem with Hodgson is that uh, he's clearly, you know, a very very smart guy who needs to be taken. You know, he, he he feels like he needs to get the credit for being smart at all times. And when you know when you're kind of perennially 14th in the Premier League. It kind of looks. It feels like you're going nowhere, uh, and there are not many opportunities to prove your genius. Um, and I, I think you know that, that that's basically the problem. You, you, you need a you need a coach. I mean, we we talked about Ange at Spurs. Oh, here we
1: go. People love it when you talk about Ange, Johnny. They love it. Yeah, no,
2: yeah. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I mean, people people have people just just they really just want to hear more about me on Ange. I think. Um, but you know that there, there is one of the reasons he's so popular is that he kind of sells he sells a dream he sells a vision you know you're not actually going anywhere in a you know uh, if you're if you're a mid table club like palace or wolf that they'll be fine right um, but you need to you need to sell a journey you need to sell some kind of hope and Hodgson has never kind of he's never bought into that he's like well you know when i was if you if you take a 30 year span of palace history actually you know they they've, they've been in the top division uh, actually not for, not for a huge amount of time so you should, and that is just not how how fandom works i don't know how long it is there's been you know it's been since hodgson has actually been a fan um but you know if he doesn't if he doesn't get the a coach of a of a premier league club with such a like a strong tie to its its local community needs to Needs to offer something more than just well, we've we've delivered seven straight quarters of economic growth. It's it's basically that in 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 managerial form. <laughs> You'll never <Yeah>. see that. <laughs> uh, you know. Then he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't get what what you know what this job is about. Weirdly enough, um, so uh, you know, Palace probably need to find someone who can who who does get it.
1: Uh, Sheffield United nil, at Liverpool two. Uh, Chris Wilder's return ends in defeat. Um, Will I mean? He's come in for Paul Heckingbottom, perhaps they're hoping for a bit of a managerial bounce and the fact he's been there before. I mean, it sort of makes sense, but do you give them any chance of improving on their position?
0: Yeah, he he lives nearby, so that helps. (laughs) He was in the area. (laughs) That was was convenient. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Sheffield United are going down. Let's all accept this. Um, There's no chance of staying up. They tried really hard last night and it wasn't good enough against Liverpool who weren't playing particularly well. They don't have the quality in the team. They don't have anyone that's going to score the goals to get them out of it. They don't have the quality in from goalkeeper right through the team. They sold the best two players on the eve of the season. They've tried to replace them with players that are, I would argue, slightly inferior. Um, they're going to try really hard for the rest of the season. They're going to come up a bit short because they're not a Premier League team, unfortunately. And that's the... That's the nature of what's happening at Bramall Lane, and I'm sure Chris Wilder will get the best out of them because that's the sort of coach he is, and he did very well there last time. But they just don't have the quality, and I don't think they're going to be having a big January to try and turn it around in terms of investment. We we,
2: we could be we could be 2008 Derby areas here, right? They got five points after 15 games; they're getting worse. Like what? Is that? that translates to about twelve points over a thirty-eight game. They
0: were, they were a little bit better last night.
2: They, I mean, they really, they really were. I only saw the, I only saw the like the the, the the highlights, but the the number of times that they let a Liverpool cross just bounce, or or, or you know, or, or a free header twelve yards out, and this is this is like the you know, I don't want to sound like some ex-pro on talk sport, but these are the basics of football. You know, you've got to defend your lot. You've got to defend <laughs> like, if you're a promoted team and you are not defending. The area around your penalty spot when a cross comes in, then literally, what is the point of you?
1: Um, in another news, Johnny Lou, I need to ask you: Is there anything funny about twelve thirty Well,
2: <laughs> So I, 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 yeah, I mean, so this is this is in reference to Klopp who 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 got, you know, some there, who got some some it was on, it was on it was Amazon right? it was Amazon last night, yeah you know, yeah. Some, some jokey question about 12 30 kickoff that's just you just lose it so, you 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 find this funny you're a professional you find this funny you know but there, <laughs> like, there are certain things you know we, we, we got taught in our household there were certain things you don't joke about you know re- re- religion uh you know politics you know like tragedy <laughs> um you know war famine death yep. uh and and now we can add you know i think we can add twelve thirty 30 kickoffs to that so that you know maybe there was a time in the past where you know joking about in a in a slightly less enlightened age where you could joke about 12:30 kickoffs you know you'd see comedians from the past making making gags about you know eating pasta for breakfast uh but we you know we live in a different age now what is it's not acceptable to the, to the you know people will rail about political correctness and um and you know things going woke but you know I I think I think it's right that it's right that we have these these red lines as a society that we have things that say no this is beyond the pale this is beyond the boundaries of 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 good taste and and um you know I'm I'm just glad that that Klopp has enforced that you know reinforced that line last Mm,
1: night can't say anything these days can you just can't um (laughs) that's it for part two in part three more premier league and we'll also discuss the women's nations league Welcome back to the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, Brighton 2, Brentford 1. Uh, Jack Hinshelwood of the Hinshelwood Footballing Dynasty. Good to have another one. Uh, winning goal, 18 years old. Um, another cliche coming. Brighton w- with the great recruitment and the academy as well. Um, so Brighton, a deserved win. But strange stats that they're the first team to score and concede in each of their opening 15 games of a top flight campaign since Wolves Did this in each of their first 16 matches back in 1934-35 and I'm sure if Wilson was here uh, he'd tell us about the manager Frank Buckley's gung-ho style Uh, that's good research from producer Joel there Um, Noz they seem to be finding their inner Brighton again after a bit of time in the wilderness Brighton
3: yeah, no, definitely, and, and and it's interesting what you said uh, before about uh, Steve Cooper sort of possibly being, being up for the for a job, but then not getting sacked. Uh, I think uh, I think with it. like he was, he was, uh, he was linked to too many troublesome clubs like like Manchester United and Chelsea, and he thought like let's have a bit of poor form here just to sort of knock myself out of the running for those two messes. Um, so no, he's he's successfully done that, and uh, and now Brighton can go back to being. Uh, good again. I think uh, I think they did really well. I mean, there was like a. I, I know all sort all all teams seem to have like uh, injury crises at the moment, but um, I think I think this game like the was was like nearly twenty absentees in this game. So 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 I think I think I think uh, Brighton did well. Well, both teams did well considering all the all the players that were that were missing. But uh, but no, like and, and that stat about uh goals conceded and scored again that just points to. The fact that whenever Brighton play, um, you kind of look forward to to the game. Whenever they're on telly or whatever, you kind of like, well, well, at least this will be a a good game. And uh, and yeah, the and when they when they win, that's a bonus. So, Yeah, very very, very good. But 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 also like like I, I was I was desperate for Deservey to sort of do a outlandish celebration again, just to sort of like double down and and annoy Arsenal fans. But but
1: he didn't. He kind of held back. But, uh, but yeah, they still hope. I'm sure that's in the post, <laughs> <laughs> not, isn't it? Yeah, Brentford are surely up there with the how many injuries we've got uh, competition. Balcom, Hickey, Ayer, Collins, Henry, De Silva, Norgard, Jensen, Sharder... Um, Tony unavailable, although will be available soon. Damsgaard and then Bumo came off injured in this game, uh, did score a penalty. But they've got Ethan Pinnock, so they're going to be absolutely fine, as, as we know. We're stands here on the Guardian Football Weekly for Ethan Pinnock. Uh, Wolves won, Burnley nil. Uh, Huang with the only goal. Um, Burnley started quite well. Looked like they were going to build on their good 5-0 win uh, over Sheffield United at the weekend until Wolves scored just before half-time. Um, well, it, it looks like it is going to be it is going to be a season of struggle for Burnley, isn't it? Despite that that really good win at the weekend. Yeah,
0: I mean, they've, the goal they conceded with their architects of their own downfall. is That's how they're going to play. They're going to pass out from the back. And it's not always going to work because they're, they're not a Manchester City level side. Um, and it was a mistake. And that is unfortunate. But companies got not going to change. We've all accepted that. I was at the... West Ham game where they were one 0 up going into the 86 minute, and then West Ham equalised, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to rewrite my intro here. I think this is going to this is going to end up two one, and it did. So that was convenient. Um, yeah, the the lacking Premier League quality. J Rodriguez is up front again. They beat Sheffield United five nil, and that's and fair play to them and whoever else does that this season. But, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a struggle because they've got a lot of young players, limited Premier League experience. Most of the players that have got Premier League experience, the last time they were in the Premier League, they got relegated. Um, you know, Sanderberg, Charlie Taylor, Brownhill, Goodminton. You know, they've got a young goalkeeper. It's it's going to be very difficult for them. And, you know, <laughs> pragmatism won't allow a company to change to a slightly more robust style, I guess. Um, but you know they'll be entertained to watch they'll win a few games but it's going to be an interesting struggle between that bottom four Um, but I'm looking forward to it I hope they stay up and maybe they can build on it but yeah I think the problems with Burnley go back to some sort of very average recruitment in the summer I'd say and very much sticking to the model they they want to and sometimes it's not always black and white when it comes to signing players with a few grey areas and maybe those grey areas are getting a bit more Premier League experience in. but you know we'll see how they go
1: it mm. yeah, was another really good finish from Huang, his eighth of the season uh, for Wolves. Just on a wider point, out of the three rele- uh, promoted teams, I should say, who do you think is going to make the best fist of staying up, Johnny? I mean, just from uh, from what I've seen, it looks like Luton just have that little bit about them. Maybe not the quality, but the sort of mentality, maybe. No,
2: I think it is Luton. And I think it's it's a combination of the fact that uh Kenilworth Road is such a is such a tough place to go. You know, uh you know, Liverpool have struggled there. I think City go there uh this weekend. Uh and obviously Arsenal as well. Uh and the fact that, you know, they've they have this they have this blend of uh they've 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 signed experience, you know, they've they've signed kind of you know Premier League quality and you know the likes of Barkley and, and Andros Townsend, but they haven't they haven't kind of gone overboard on it. They've just sort of sprinkled it through the team like like um like grated cheese. So they they still have essentially uh, the core of uh, the, the 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 squad that, that got them up from the championship, and that comes with you know what we talked about earlier like a defined identity, um, and when when times are tough you know they will go through a spell where they probably don't win in ten or fifteen that defined style you know bi- building up building up through the you know the wing backs and and swinging crosses in and just being being really solid and 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 scrapping for, for second balls that that will kind of stand them in good stead. Uh, I think more than the other two sides, who I, th- I think have a, you know, obviously Burnley have a defined style. They they really do lack quality. Sheffield United, I don't know what they're trying to do at all. Um, but when I, I still I still kind of expect all three of them to go down. But I think Luton are, are currently making the best fist of it.
1: Uh, to the Women's Nations League. Um, so the two scorelines that mattered in terms of G- Team GB failing to qualify. England 6, Scotland 0. Uh, but Netherlands 4, Belgium 0, a real roller coaster. Um, England uh, went into this needing to better Netherlands score by three goals or more. They were six still up, but then full time at Hampden Park, and Netherlands scored another uh, to mean that it's the Netherlands who go through uh, to the Nations League finals, which was the way that Team GB were going to qualify uh, for the. Uh, Olympics in Paris. Uh, You're you're no stranger to a controversial statement, Johnny. Scotland were, of course, saying we will not roll over. We will not lose this (laughs) because we are motivated to beat England. And that this sort of suggestion that because it's Team GB and some of our players might make the squad, it won't. It makes no difference to us. I don't think they did it. They just they just weren't very good were they? No,
2: exactly. But I think you can't you can't give it the big eye am. You can't give it all this about oh you you can't question our integrity uh and then defend like that. I just I just it just doesn't sit right, you know. I I'm, I'm not I'm not questioning their you know their sporting integrity, but I think you can definitely uh c- contest their defensive integrity. I no, to be fair to them, I mean they once they went, you know, I guess 5-0 down, they they actually they played all right. They 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 actually had quite a few chances to make it to make it 5-1. They certainly didn't lie down. I I think um there, there is there's it's it's a really inconsistent um side and um the, the, for all the talent in it, I I don't think, you know, I, I don't think they can produce results on a consistent basis. I think you know they they they're going to get relegated to league B now or whatever it is. Um and you know England England just r- r- ran over them and you know there is this debate about whether it's a you know it's it's, it's a good summer to miss. Um, but I, I think you know, if, if you if you talk to if you talk to Wiegmann afterwards or you, the players, they clearly wanted to play in Paris. It's like there's something special about an Olympic Games, and, and maybe maybe you don't get it so much in in this country where you know England are co- constantly competing in international tournaments. But the Olympics is special, and particularly in women's football, it holds a I hold a real special place in the heritage of the game and the growth of the game. And You know, they they might, you know, people might be putting on a bit of a brave face now, but um, when they turn on their telly next summer and uh, and England on in it, it's going to hurt.
1: Well, Ellen White was part of our team and that was the thing that really interested me was because obviously I was thinking, oh, we know good, they'll get a rest. And is it that big a deal? But when she played for Team GB, she said it was such an amazing experience because you're in the Olympic Village kind of mixing with all the other athletes. And that was the experience that she really, really enjoyed. Um, Noz, would you like to take the Barry Glendenning? Question here. Lauren James is good, isn't she? <laughs> she is. <she's laughs>
3: there was a, the, 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 a, at least there was no sort of a, a photo on on social media by her brother where like she's cropped out and he's like. Center frame, so, so so that was good. No, I, I, I mean I, I mean there, does that happen? Yeah, there, there was there was <laughs> he 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 tweeted something. I'm, like, I'm so proud of my sister or something, and uh, there was she was like half cropped out of the picture, and he was he was sort of like <laughs> uh, the center of it. But uh, but yeah, no, it, I, I mean the the thing that, the thing that I loved about that that six 0 game was uh, as much as obviously Scotland got thrashed. Like every save, every tackle was 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 was, uh, was worth it because because ultimately like one more goal w- would have made all the difference so it just goes to show that you can get absolutely mauled but uh but it does matter every, every 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 save every sort of last ditch tackle every every block um it w- it was worth it just to just to piss on on England's parade so <laughs> i love that and and, and 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 also um and again like like i, I, I absolutely don't mean this in in a, in a in a patronizing, patronizing way but I I love the fact that uh, again on social media it was such a big thing like everyone's was, everyone was invested there was there was other there was other games happening at the same time but uh, certainly on on my timeline everyone was talking about this game and, and the drama again um I mean it's bittersweet because on the one hand like it's it was amazing that everyone was invested and and, and drama like this just uh amplifies uh, women's football even more, but then you kind of, obviously you do kind of think, especially in this country selfishly, uh, the Olympics would have been, would have been great uh, just to have that sort of involvement. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, uh, uh, I mean, I mean, any, any sort of like, uh,
1: the more, the more shithousery in women's football, the better. Agreed. Agreed. More (laughs) of that, please. Um, Well, not sure if you have a view on this, but the whole team GB thing actually does seem to cause quite a lot of problems um, not not least because they were put in the same group, which probably could have been avoided, but um, just generally, really does seem to um, cause a few issues.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's in men's football. Team GB has obviously had London 2012, but it's never been a thing, and no one, no one really cares. But it, it is the biggest event. It, well, it was one of the biggest events at women's football. You know, I spoke to Karen Carney recently, and she loved it, and desperate that England. Uh, got there to, to help G, Team GP qualify. But yeah, it's a very weird situation of how it's done. Like surely if any of the four nations come top, they should, or, you know, come in a qualifying position, then Team GP should qualify. But yeah, it was a f- very poorly organised on every level. And, you know, it's it's just a very strange concept that, you know, one team, four teams become one for... For a major tournament, I mean, might need to might need to review how the qualifications done because it doesn't make any sense.
1: <laughs> well, that'll do for today. I think. Um, just a word on Christine Sinclair's retirement from international football. Um, finished an astonishing career in front of forty eight thousand fans at BC Place Stadium, uh, temporarily renamed Christine Sinclair Place. Uh, Canadian international, three hundred thirty one caps, one hundred ninety international goals a record um johnny lou is on the move leaving his hotel um, can we follow you for the rest of the day johnny do you think this is quite exciting
2: i'd love to but i'm about to get into the lift and uh, i think <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure the wi-fi is going to hold out um <clears throat> but uh, yeah lovely. lovely oh shit almost missed the lift
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll keep this going, but uh, Johnny, um, thank you so much for your time, and hope you catch your train. Cheers. Thank you, Will.
0: Thank you very much. And Joey Barton thinks you did very well today, Robin. Well done.
1: Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> that means a lot. That means a lot. Yeah. I have my dad. My dad will write in as well, like like Ramsdale's dad. That's what, That's the thing now, isn't it? Um, Noz, <laughs> thank you very much indeed. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, yeah, and can I can I just say to the to Australia and
3: uh, North London that I like. I'm a massive fan of uh, a big Ange. Just for, just for a bit of balance, because it, cause it, cause like when when we ask questions on social media, like I, I was I was kind of shocked by the torrent of like, oh, is there going to be more propaganda? So yeah, I'm just
0: I'm just sort of on the other, I'm with you guys. All I've been imagining since that tweet is Johnny being in the British Embassy in Australia, sort of bar Simpson getting booted through a gate. <laughs> <laughs>
1: With a humongous <laughs> boot. Yeah,
0: jo- Johnny seems to have gone now. The Wi-Fi has gone. there, for we can say what we want
1: about it. <laughs> <mean>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, a lot of people have been saying the anti-USA agenda is is nothing now compared to the anti-Aussie one. Max will be back, and he, that that will certainly uh, improve on that on that scale uh, on Monday. But we'll be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Football Weekly is produced by Joel Grove, and our executive producer is Max Sanderson.